this episode of The Interface, I speak with Jeff Fortin, Group Technology Director for the Amphenol Sensor Technology Group. Jeff has been with Amphenol since August of last year. We talk about growing up in Maine, working on farm equipment, and developing an interest in how things work at a young age. We talk about working full-time while earning his bachelor's and master's degrees in physics. We talk about his time doing research, both for General Electric and for Penn State University, and his desire to get out and see all of what Amphenol has to offer. And we talk about his Desert Island album, book, and movie. This is The Interface. First of all, thank you for doing this today, Jeff. I appreciate you coming on uh, and taking the time and talk to us a little bit about the Sensor Technology Group. So I know you're new to Amphenol, and we'll get to that in just a second, but just describe for us what your job is and what your charter, your mission is for the Sensor Group. All right, great. So I'm the Group Technology Director. So I report directly to, to Pete Straub, who's the Group General Manager, and really support technology strategy for the business. So whether it's uh, our uh, inorganic growth strategy, looking at different companies that could fit well in our portfolio, what is their technology, their core technology set, how does that compare to other companies, uh, diving into intellectual property, patent searching, really kind of due diligence on the technology side, as well as when we have existing companies that, we're, that we are talking actively with, uh, really understanding, again, their technology and product portfolio. So that's probably half of my time. Mm -hmm. um, the other half is supporting the existing businesses. So um, looking for opportunities for technology collaboration across the groups, supporting um, technology strategy, uh, quality issues that may need an outside eye uh, from a technology perspective, and, and really just kind of helping the, the group build a culture of innovation, collaboration, and technology advancement. How long has it taken you to get comfortable with, number one, being part of Amphenol, since it's just it's not even been a year yet, and also mm -hmm. understanding you know, the businesses and how this entire group works and how it's kind of, you know, it's not really set in stone, um, but at mm -hmm. the same time, you're kind of free to do whatever you want. And then just from a technology standpoint, how much has it challenged you to learn this stuff quickly? Yeah, so uh, yeah, the technology piece has been certainly the funnest piece too. So mm. I'll, I'll, when we talk about my history, I already know part of this business. Yeah, because I was the engineering leader for Amphenol Advanced Sensors back when the Advanced Sensor part of the business um, was part of GE. Right, right. Um, then got acquired by Amphenol. So, uh, so I started off with a pretty good technical base, and I, one of the first things I immediately did before I even came in the role was dig into all of the acquisitions that have been made and understanding what are their products, try to understand their technologies. And then when I started really meeting with all the, all the engineering directors and then the, and the general managers, and we have a breadth of technology in some of it, I'm still learning more and more about, Yeah. but I feel pretty comfortable um, that I understand at least enough to be dangerous right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you can, while you have certainly a good baseline of knowledge of what's going on, you're, you're getting more comfortable with, I guess the best way I could describe it is, uh, improving, right? You, you can improv yeah, when yeah. you're talking with customers sure. and, and talking about different ways that you can solve their problems. Uh, have yeah, you, ha, has it been, a struggle for you to do this while you really have 
nowhere to physically go as far as a you know factory or location. Has it made yeah. it a challenge doing it this way? You know, I thought it was going to be a little bit of a challenge, yeah. but it really hasn't been. Yeah. Um, I think if without the video piece of this, if it was just, you know, the old style, you know, teleconferences and phone calls and it would have been a lot harder. But I think the actual in-person, well, quote, almost in-person virtual discussions and meeting people has really helped me learn about the business, get to know the general managers in uh, really accelerated. I, I, I think that um, I probably could have been, you know, a little further along if it was more in person, but then I want to probably spend a lot of time in vehicles in on the airplanes, right. you know, in hotels. So it's sort of a balance of, you know, yeah. I definitely yeah. I'm excited to get out and, and meet people and, and hit, the, hit the ground and get into their, their manufacturing facilities and into their engineering labs. But I, it hasn't been a big hindrance, I would say. I, you know, I get, get onto websites, have a, had a lot of discussion. The monthly ops reviews, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are really helpful. And when I started, I started the week of strategically started the, the week of strategy. Yeah, yeah. And so every business went through their three-year strategy uh, in that my first week on the job, and it yeah. was like perfect. Yeah. yeah, that would be a great time to come on board. It's it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose, mind you. Yeah. However, yeah, yeah, yeah. you certainly learn a lot in a very yeah. compact period of time, uh, and yeah. then it prepares you well for the, every subsequent. Strategic plan number one, but just setting up mm-hmm. uh, the next year. So, hopefully, we're at a point now where uh, soon, if not very soon, you can get out and see you know some of the different Amphenol facilities that uh, yeah. that you're mm-hmm. a, a part of. What What are you looking forward to the most? Is there is there a particular place or factory that you want to see more than others, just because it's something new and unique, or is it all kind of equal? I think all getting to all of the facilities. You know, I I know the, the you know the advanced sensor part of the business pretty right. well. Of course, I want to see what they've been doing since I was part of that business twelve years ago, and kind of get in there their factories. I think some of our gas sensing technology businesses, SGX. So we, a trip to Europe will be great because I'll yeah. be able to hit a bunch of the new businesses that have been acquired that I'm not as familiar with. Really get in to meet the, the engineering teams and see the production facilities and. And so that that's I'm looking forward to getting there. Now, first step is U.S. <laughs> and yeah. then we have a brand new acquisition too with uh, MTS Sensors. So right. the PCB business and Temposonics, and they both have great facilities here in the U.S. So I'm looking for. I'm just it's like a kid in a candy store, honestly. And so like I'm ready. I'm ready for it. So it's just ready to unleash you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have to control my travel schedule, but in four weeks, I'll be two weeks after my second shot, so I'll be ready to go. Oh well, congratulations! That's that's a it's a great milestone to hit here, and yeah, maybe you then will be unleashed. So you're just new to Amphenol specifically, mm-hmm. but certainly not new to uh, the business by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, being a part of GE prior to them being acquired by yeah. Amphenol. Before that, though, you were looked like you did plenty of schoolwork in physics. If I if I, I if I check this properly, um, <laughs> including a, a PhD in um, in uh, engineering science from from RPI. What got you mm-hmm. into physics? Mm-hmm. Why physics? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. You know, I kind of think try to figure that out myself once in a while. So I grew up on a, on a small farm, and were you uh, local in in Pennsylvania. 
Uh, no, in Southern Maine. Okay. Yep, a small farm in Southern Maine. That's where I grew up in yep. a little town called North Berwick with one street light kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we had a lot of farm equipment. We had just, uh, my dad was always, you know, building things and repairing things. And I think kind of I built sort of an interest in how things worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of been a driving factor in my whole career, I would say, is understanding how things work and then being able to do it myself. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, um, so that was sort of early on. I went to, I worked my way through my undergraduate degree. So I started off in engineering, actually. Okay. I started okay. off in engineering, aerospace engineering. And then uh, ran out of money for college. So then said, okay, now I need to get a job. <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> work my What'd way you do? through college. So I, oh, I actually got a really good job. I worked at a company called Sprague Electric. They um, were later acquired by Vachey. Mm-hmm. And they were in my hometown, and they were a manufacturer of solid tantalum capacitors. Okay. And so I got a job, like a summer, in, a summer job, and then they hired me. Mm-hmm full-time and I got into their engineering division as a technician slash junior engineer. And I worked there for five years while I took one class or two classes at a time wow. at the University of Southern Maine. <laughs> wow. So what did you do at that company? What I, um, so I worked, yeah, so I worked in the manufacturing. So making the tantalum capacitors, it's sort of a whole series of process steps, including some interesting chemistry, some wet processing, some material science, and then testing. And so I, over the course of that five years, I worked in all aspects. I started off in quality assurance, testing parts, looking at, you know, libel testing, all kinds of different types of testing and understanding sort of how quality worked. Um, Cause we had a lot of military customers and mm-hmm. automotive customers. And then I worked my way back into the manufacturing process and in actually solving some some fairly big problems they had with uh, failures uh, at the customer. So quality, again, so related to quality, but pinpointing the issue in the manufacturing process. Was it vertically integrated? So you had control both above and below as far as how you how you solve those problems? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was a small engineering team. Uh, I learned a lot about working with production, you know, so I was like, all right, so I'm, you know, on the engineering team and, and they're like, okay, we got this problem with, with um, what they call solder heat reflow. So the capacitors, when you, when you solder them onto the PC board, Mm -hmm. you go through a 260 C melt cycle and the, the, the parts were failing you know, failing leakage for leakage current. And we had a big problem with that. And our automotive customers, they were, they were basically wanting to shut us down. So we put a bunch of tests in and we would take a sample of product from a, from a lot mm-hmm. and test them. And if they had, you know, no failures, the test was, it was good. If they had some failures, you had to do some more processing or whatever. So, you know, I, I, and I didn't really have the whole idea around stopping a line, but at one point I was like, Oh, you can't ship any of these lots and whatever and then the production folks were like yelling at me like, yeah. oh, uh, yeah, like, yeah. oh wait oh okay 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 i get it. i get it so i'm doing my engineering job and there's a whole other organization called production trying to meet their <laughs> output and i just put a big blog and hit all the road <laughs> but, right. but that was a really learning and actually that kind of one of the problems i solved i intuitively i kind of understood why it worked my idea worked and um I couldn't explain it that well. There was some chemistry involved and mm-hmm. some, some physics. And that kind of drove me to think about grad school, actually, because it was like, okay, I had solved this problem. I showed it with data, but I couldn't really explain why. Mm, right. 
And so I was like, you know, I could use some more deeper, even with my degree in physics, you know, kind of wrapping up at that time. I couldn't, I didn't quite understand it. So I thought graduate school could be interesting. And so that was a sort of a next step naturally, I guess. It's funny you put it that way. Having done graduate work myself and getting a master's mm -hmm. degree, uh, I, the way that it, I've always thought of it when people said, well, what's it like to get your MBA or your master's? It's, mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's not that you're learning radically new things. I always described it as it, it expands your ability to think. Yeah. Right. It, it, it allows you to like, like exactly like you said, explain those things that you might have had a hard time explaining before. You knew it intuitively, but you couldn't really uh, process it and, and capture it in a way that is then uh, exportable for others to use. And, yeah. you know, something like getting a master's in this allows you to do that. So if that's the case, what did the Ph.D. do? Just, just allow <laughs> well, people to call you doctor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, you know, the PhD is interesting because it, I think fundamentally you learn how to investigate mm. something completely new. Like, and actually it, it helps in my current job because I spent, you know, in my PhD, I was sort of on a, on a plan where I would spend almost every morning in the library looking at papers, mm. reading, reading papers, photocopying them from the big journals on the shelves. Sure. Yeah. Um, and those papers, you know, you learn something and that leads you to other papers and leads you to other papers. And then you start to build this body of knowledge and then you apply that to your problem. And so, you know, your PhD is really about learning how to evaluate a situation, get the right data, uh, understand the science or whatever it may be, and then come up with a unique solution. And that's what a, a PhD thesis is about. It's about something unique, that hasn't been presented before or researched before, et cetera. And so you learn how to do that. And I apply that pretty much every day. You know, when I'm working, working on a competitive evaluation, um, I, you know, I have papers over here that I've printed out from journals right. on like, you know, CO2 gas sensing technology, what's the latest trends and, and stuff like that. So. What was your PhD thesis on? Mm. Ah, chemical vapor deposition polymerization. Oh yeah. I think I read that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my, I spent a lot of time in, inside a clean room yeah. um, in, a, in a microfabrication, sort of semiconductor fabrication kind of environment. And I was studying low dielectric constant materials for application in high speed circuits. And so at that time that I was doing, you know, my work, the whole Moore's law, trying to continue to add more power and mm -hmm. more speed to your processor can, comes down to material science inside right. your in, inside your device and how it operates and so forth and so i was studying some polymers that had lower dielectric constant which ultimately allows a signal to propagate faster on a chip okay and um i i basically built some deposition systems for for growing polymer films and uh importantly my main part of my thesis was i built a model on how the um the polymerization process occurs i understood like seven of those words. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I am, I am, I've always freely admitted I'm not a very technical uh, person, That's right. um, but I can, I can talk about it really good. See my proper English there. As you were doing all of this research and going through mm -hmm. your PhD and stuff, were there times where you're like, oh, why did I, I'm not sure if I got into the right thing or was it the whole time you're like, I, I really love this stuff. I really yeah. enjoy doing this. 
Yeah, certainly that. I certainly really enjoyed doing it. I mean, like, you know, I went into this lab. Um, I got right into research, first of all. So typically you do teaching assistant, but because of the work I did at Sprague Electric with capacitors, mm -hmm. which have dielectrics, and I understood testing of dielectric materials, I was invited by the, the, the chair of the physics department to do research in his lab, like the day I got there. Wow. And so that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Matter of fact, I went out yeah. for the, to, before I accepted um, the, um, the offer, you know, for, for the PhD program, I was out there and I met the, the, the chair of the physics department at RPI and mm -hmm. he, wanted, he talked with me and sat down and said, well, I'm working on dielectric materials. You've got this background. I'd really like for you to come and join my research team. And I was like, oh, well, that yeah. was a lot easier than yeah. I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to find a research team is like a research professor is like a pretty challenging part of the first two years wow. of your PhD. But um, I enjoyed it the whole time. I built, you know, I, I learned how to build a um, vacuum deposition equipment that you'd see in a semiconductor plant. And, and um, the ch most challenging thing I found about the PhD is you really never know when you're going to be done. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm working on things. Okay, I publish a paper. Awesome. I got a, got a you know, academically reviewed, peer-reviewed publication, and then another one. But you're not really done until you've done something really new that you can you know, describe, like I said before, what's right. the theory, what did you do to improve it? How does it compare to existing, you know, theories and, and on this? And so you're never quite sure when you're going to finish. <laughs> so, so I was like, and then what exactly what I'm going to do for a job? I, I felt confident I had, um, I was going to get a job. I went in there to right. get into the semiconductor manufacturing. That was my goal was, RPI was really strong in semiconductor. They had a lot of funding from the Intels and the AMDs of the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they had a nice fabrication facility. And back in Maine, I had, uh, there was a local national semiconductor plant, this, mm, this okay. eight inch wafer fab in Portland, which I was like, oh yeah, I can go back and work there, which I never did. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I figured I'd be able to get a job. I really liked what I was doing, but it was a little, I was a little bit open of not knowing when it's going to end and like when you're going to be done. Well, I guess one would argue you're never done learning, right, Jeff? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get your I get your point. How did you then get hooked up with GE, and what did you do when you were there? Yeah, yeah. So GE Research Center is like 20 minutes down the road from RPI. RPI is in Troy, New York. Right, right. GE yeah. Global headquarters for their research center is in Niskayuna, New York. Mm -hmm. And a guy from my research lab at RPI got a job there. And um, the work I was doing was of interest to them. And so they asked me to do a summer internship. So that was in, in the summer of 2000. Um, so my advisor let me go. Of course, I did both. I, I worked on the internship and then I was in the lab on the weekends. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so that was really cool. And you know, like I said, I was looking at going to you know, maybe AMD or you know, Applied Materials or Intel. And at the end of the summer, the research center gave me a job offer, which was like, wow. It was like, that's great. I was like, this the salary that I was like, holy moly, yeah, you know? sure. this is what I've been looking for. And I told them that I wasn't really ready to make a decision because I hadn't done any interviews and all this other stuff. But uh, they gave me a couple months. I did some interviews and I ended up choosing GE Research because of all the different research going on there, you know, 80% of the people are, you know, PhDs. Mm. 
um, working in material science, physics, you know, um, solving problems from all across GE. And so um, the group I was in was a um, materials group. And so in the, in the micro manufacturing environment, so they had a clean room and a fab. And so it's very similar to what I was wanted to do, but it was more aligned with um, micro devices. Mm -hmm. So you were, so, so you stayed in upstate New York for quite yeah, a while then. 12 years there. Yeah. So when I got my job, so this is helping me end my, when is my, PhD going to end. When I got my job offer, I printed it out. Yeah. I brought it into my PhD thesis advisor and I showed it to him. Yeah. And he's like, wow. He's like, this is impressive. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I said, now we just have to find a date for me to start full time. I'm going to continue to work part time. Oh, and so that helped oh. me kind of put a line in the sand of when my PhD I like it. was going to yeah. yeah. And he was acceptable of that. He said, okay, well, you know, you need to you've got pretty much all your content. You need to finish up a few things. You need to write your thesis, which took me months, you know, four or five months to really put it all together. Mm -hmm. And then you got to go through the whole process of, you know, the committee reviews and defending your, your thesis and everything. And I did that after I was already working full time. So you then you leave GE and you go to Penn state. So, yeah, so I actually, GE, so GE, I was there. I had, so I'll, I'll, I'll quickly do that. So I was at GE Research, and this leads into the Infinol. In 2001 or 2002, GE Industrial Systems acquired uh, Thermometrics, which is part of the Infinol advanced sensor business. Yeah. Uh, Infinol Sensor Technology Group, and a couple of other sense co sensor companies, Nova Sensor and mm -hmm. so forth. And so I got to know them because they were coming to the research center because we had some, um, you know, MEMS manufacturing techniques, which I was involved in and so forth. So I, um, in, I guess it was 2008, they reorganized that business and created the advanced sensor business. And Pete Straub uh, asked me to come and be the engineering leader for that business. So, so I did that for three years, almost three years. And then I got promoted to uh, engineering leader for another GE business. Um, back up just a little bit. I moved to Boston for the for the advanced sensor position. Mm -hmm. And that was the headquarters for the business unit at the time. And so we spent, we went from New York, we spent four years in Boston and then with the inspection technologies job at GE, the headquarters was in Lewistown, Pennsylvania, or it was in Lewistown, Pennsylvania. So we moved here eight years ago, uh, a little over eight years ago. And that's what brought me to this region. And then Penn State was sort of, okay, I've been at GE 15 years and, uh, I've been on the road 50% of my time for the last five or six. I've got two daughters, yeah. you know, that I've missed. I missed a whole season of softball, like mm. almost every game. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Sacrilegious. Something's got to yeah. give here. And it was time, almost time for me to potentially take another job in a different, you know, location. And I'm like, okay, we, we like this place. We want to stay. And so luckily, and I looked around and with, with um, Penn State, they've got an amazing research enterprise and I reached out to the vice president for research and we had breakfast and he said, um, you know, I'm looking for someone who could come and lead um, an industrial relations office. You know, we've got a lot of great research going on. We don't do a very good job of translating it out into the world. We need more companies coming here, seeing what we've got and sponsoring research and licensing our technologies. And, and that really was kind of perfectly aligned with my background, right? Mm -hmm having an academic background, doing research, having the 
um, understanding how to bring things to product right, in right. my engineering right. roles and then being able to bring those two worlds together. And so they posted the job and I applied and like eight months later, I was, I was in the role. Was it everything you thought it was going to be? It was a little bit of an experiment, right, for me. And it was an experiment for them, too, because I didn't have this this function in place. So I created a new office, right, and very much like uh, the federal agencies and, and universities. They call things offices. Yeah. And, you know, I, was an, I was an associate vice president. And, and But uh, so I created this office. And, but the fun part is I, I had to build a strategy, right, right. from the ground up. How are we going to do this? Um, what are the important criteria? You know, who do we have already? Like, what are we doing today? Like, how many companies do we engage with? You know, and what's the, the amount of funding we receive, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Where, where do we want that to be? You know, how are we going to get there? And so over the course of six years, I developed new processes and tools, built some really good relationships. Um, I did everything I could to make it a university-wide endeavor too, so that it just wasn't the, the main campus here at, uh, at Penn State here, but there's 20 other campuses and they have research going on. Mm-hmm. And it expanded and built a team. Um, and well, I would say, you know, I kind of did my job, but I was getting, honestly, getting a little bit bored. You know, the academic environment, it's, you know, I, I really enjoyed talking to to, to my, uh, you know, the industrial collaborators, the mm-hmm. Lockheed Martins of the world, the, the GEs, Morgan Advanced Materials, and when they come on campus and I'm talking to them about their technologies. And so, yeah, I, I was ready to do something different. And I I, I, talk, I kept in touch with Pete Straub yeah. because we were friends since back then, and he's only hour and a half away mm-hmm. in St. Mary's, Pennsylvania, where, where the headquarters is. And so, uh, you know, I was talking to him one day and said, yeah, you know, I'm getting a little bored, thinking about maybe doing something <laughs> different. And he said, Okay, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, Rob Tweeney, you know, his who was my predecessor, um, he's going to be retiring. And yeah. So if you're interested, let's let's talk about that role because we'd love to have you back. And yeah. So, it, uh, so that was my transition back. And so you needed something with a little juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I did. You know, yeah. I, I accomplished my goals. And I felt good about it, but honestly, I wasn't excited about it anymore. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. And, and uh, so I had to do something uh, a little, little new. It makes all the difference in the world when you're when you're excited to go to work every day. Um, exactly. That is for sure. Honestly, now, before I uh, take away the uh, Amphenol acquiring the GE sensor business years ago, mm-hmm. when is the first mm-hmm. time that you would actually were aware of Amphenol and how much did you know? I didn't know a lot, honestly. Um, I, I was aware of Amphenol when they acquired that business because I was I was still at GE. Right, but prior to that, had you really known about really, them at all? No, no. So were you surprised? Like, whoa! Because um, I hadn't done this? a lot of work with connectors. I hadn't, you know. Built okay, fair enough. Engineering yeah. instruments with connectors, and so I'd never really sourced. So I had very little knowledge of of Amphenol. Um, were you surprised when when the acquisition happened and? Kind of said to yourself, or even Pete, like, what yeah. what's the deal here? What's going on with this? Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely interesting, you know, and it and it made sense though. You know, you've got a company that's in the heavy into electronics that makes connectors and cables, and in in a, a lot of the markets that our sensors are in, and right. every one of our sensors has a connector on the end of it, uh, or if it's wireless, it's got an antenna, right? So. There's uh, there's definitely a synergy there, and and it made sense. And I think uh, you know Adam and the CEO and the leadership team's vision is 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 a smart one, right? And uh, 
and I hadn't really followed the business to, to too much detail, but, you know, when I was talking with Pete about this opportunity and he you know, said, Hey, you know, we've acquired a number of businesses. We're continuing to acquire. That would be a big part of your role. And mm-hmm. he kind of, I said, you know, give me some of the names of these businesses. And I went and looked at them like, wow, this is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some really great technology here. And from a science background, a physics background, a sensor is like really cool because you're looking at, you know, taking energy from one form to another, or you're using, you know, whether it's, um, a new material or electro electromagnetic property or mm-hmm. optical property. And, and you're, you know, using that to identify something or change in a phase or whatever it may be. But, uh, so really exciting to see the, the, the businesses that have been acquired and just the model of the business, which kind of keeps these business doing what they do well, Yeah, <laughs> giving yeah. them some more resources, more commercial opportunity, collaborate collaborations across the business you know, within the group and across the whole Amphenol and, uh, you know, let them succeed. Uh, so a lot different than the GE model that I was in where they, you know, acquired a bunch of businesses and they pushed them all together and said, we need to have, you know, one ERP system and mm-hmm. we need to have one email system and, and we're going to shut these plants down and move all this manufacturing over here. And, you know, completely different strategy. Yeah, totally different. You're right. It, and I can see how this would maybe reignite that fire in you uh, after yeah. spending a little mm-hmm. bit of time in academia, which is great mm-hmm. in and of itself, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. to get something that's got a little bit more excitement to it, uh, this I can see. Now I understand for someone like yourself and what your background is and what you're passionate about from a from a job standpoint, this would be great because it's just like, oh, what's next? The, uh, what's the next cool thing we get to do? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, no, that's that's ex- excellent. So I'm, I'm happy that uh, we have you, Jeff. This is great. So now when you're not learning about uh, all about the new sensor businesses that we have and, and uh, continuing with your never-ending education, what do you like to do when you're not doing that? All right. Watch softball. Watch softball. I know that's one. <laughs> <laughs> my my uh, daughter plays field hockey. So, well, first of all, my, my wife and I, we really like college sports, right? So, yeah. Um, to, to, since we moved here, she played sports in college. And I think uh, I wasn't as big of a fan of athletics until we moved here and, and just there's so much you can do and see. And I've really grown to love the college basketball. Yeah. Just have a lot of fun with the basketball. You get to really get to know the players and the football is awesome. So we get football season tickets. We've got hockey season tickets. I I picked up hockey when I was at the RPI. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We've had, we've had basketball season tickets, but that's, uh, we we missed them out, missed on that last year. And we watched our daughter play field hockey, which is a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's that's the sports side. Yeah. No, I had a daughter who played college field hockey too. I, I still Did have you? I still have her. Nice. So I guess it's nice. It's weird nice. to say it that way. But yes. Yeah. So my daughter is at, at Hartwick, not too far from where you are. Okay. And no, so my daughter who actually works here at Amphenol played for William oh. Smith up in oh, Geneva. Yeah. 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 So I think is are they in the Empire Eight? I think they may be in the same conference as Hartwick. No, they're in Liberty League. Not That's sure. what they were. Okay. Liberty League okay. with like Skidmore and uh, yeah, sports all right. like that. All right. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, but great. Field hockey's huge in the Northeast, Pennsylvania, upstate New York yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's excellent. What else do you like to do in your free time? Uh, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. Yeah. I have a woodworking shop. I build a lot of things. I build um, picture frames, charcuterie boards, desk Ooh. tables, sort of whatever I 
I'm learning how to use a laser etcher at the local makerspace, and I'm going in to, to etch oh, some things cool. up this weekend. And uh, and then I garden, so I've got a, a 20 by 20 garden plot out back, and wow. so I like to grow vegetables. And I have a uh, we have a camp that I've re- we bought sort of up in the mountains here that I've completely kind of rebuilt and kind of ripped the floor out and done some plumbing work, electrical. <laughs> so I, I keep it. I, I don't like to. Uh, I don't like the rest too much. I like to stay busy with fun stuff like that. Yeah, I guess not. I'm going to have to send you my address uh, off the air here for <laughs> maybe a charcuterie board and some fresh vegetables. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Slice them up, put them right up, put them up with display. That's right. I love that stuff. Uh, so we'll we'll wrap up with this here. We'll get to know Jeff uh, a little bit differently than yeah. than all the, yeah. the sensor technology uh, uh, yeah. topics that we already previously yeah. talked about. Yeah. I, I shove you on a desert island by yourself right yeah. no no sensors in sight um and and no uh no academic journals to read i oh, give you the <laughs> i give you the option or i give you a choice of one album one book and one movie all right so if you had to pick nah. an album nah. what, what would you pick i think you and i are probably roughly the same age so i know you know what nah. an album is I actually have an album collection that we're growing now. Good, good yeah, for albums, you. Collecting I, albums back in. So if you want, if you have albums or you want more, go get them now. I'm well aware. I love it. So that's a, that was a good question. I know you asked these questions. So I've been thinking about this a little bit. It's challenging to pick an album, right? Um, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I've listened to a lot of music. I think, you know, certainly the rock and the ZZ Tops and the Van Halens and all Def Leppards. And yeah. we were growing yeah. up and, but then I, one of the bands that sort of opened me up a little bit to alternative rock was REM. So I, I've listened to, and I, I, that was probably my favorite all time band. Yeah. REM. Um, and so a lot of their early albums were really, really good albums. So probably one of the early, early albums from REM. Okay. Should we go murmur the first one? Oh, there you go. Re- Reckoning the second one. I mean, I Reckoning. Reckoning's a great one. Yeah. Now, you, you realize now, I don't know if you know this or not, you're the second person in two days when I've done these podcasts who mentioned R.E.M. Really? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So, so did Rafi they, Sohul. Did choose Reckoning? He chose, Rafi. I know Rafi. You know Rafi? <laughs> he chose Automatic for the People. Oh, that's a good one. So that's yep. later, but. Yeah, yeah. as 92. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know maybe a little a lot bit of albums. about. I don't know how many albums they have. Oh, probably close to you know, 12, 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, no, I love REM. So I, I know them very well. Cool. Uh, how yeah, about so a, that, that, yeah. how about a book? A book. So that's a little tougher. You know, I, you know, I do a lot of the reading, the do it yourself books and the, <laughs> the journals. I don't do a lot of reading, but how to, how to build your say, own canoe maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff I read, how to make your own fly rod. I do yeah. fishing too. Much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was thinking about this. I think that I'd probably go with a Tolkien, like the Hobbit or the, the trilogy there, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, fantasy, interesting characters. Takes big you story away. Line. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? Okay. So that's, that's, that's great. Uh, he's a good author. I, I really enjoy I reread though. I've thought, what books have I read more than once? And that, that would be one. that I'd read. Okay. Excellent choice. I don't think many would argue with that one. How about a movie? Yeah, that's a little, that's tough as well too. I certainly like comedies. Yeah, right? and you know, 
I guess it depends on the situation on the island, you know? Is it like desperation? <laughs> it's, it's, no, no, it's not desperation. You're just chilling. You're just relaxing. Oh, chilling. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to make this miserable for people when they get into this yeah, mind yeah. space. You okay. know, I want them to, to have a good time. So, you know, right. if you're, your form of relaxation is to watch Schindler's List, I mean, I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> I wouldn't do it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, you know the, the Bourne series, Bourne Ultimatum. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. a great, that's a great, another sort of trilogy that's really good. Um, and then, so I, it would be a toss-up probably between that if I could bring the, the trilogy, bring all three, and then like a Caddyshack or yeah. Dumb and Dumber. Honestly, you know? of course, yes. Now we're talking. Yeah, Caddyshack. You know, I re I watched Caddyshack recently. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and saw it on HBO Max, and and. Uh, and like the things that the funny things about that are like the the the, the little sh catchphrases and the things are still in my life today. I didn't realize that's where they came from. Oh yeah. I was like, oh oh, when we when we kind of kid around like or say that or whatever, that's from Caddyshack. <laughs> like yeah. oh man. <laughs> yes, it's it's infected all of us. Uh, yeah. Which is a yeah, good so, thing. <laughs> yeah. So it, it'd be a toss up between Caddyshack and the Bourne trilogy. Depending upon my mood, right when I got, you know, right when I was leaving, I'd be grab one of those two. Love it. Well, Jeff, <laughs> listen, I appreciate you doing this today, taking the time, uh, and you know, Good I guess stuff. in a way, uh, welcome you to Amphenol, although it's been almost a year. Thank you very but, much. Uh, but uh, really happy that uh, uh, Mark Ross recommended you to me, and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure talking to you as well. Chris.